and open it to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation 22, uh, if you don't know where Revelation is, is at the end of your Bible, just before all the extra stuff that they added to the Bible. Revelation 22, you're going to be looking at the very end of verse 2 and then, and then into verse 3. So, Revelation 22, 2 through 3. says this the leaves of the tree are for healing the nations and there will no longer be any curse the throne of God and of the lamb will be in the city and his servants will worship him let's pray Lord we pray this evening as we uh end our Lord's Day as we look ahead to the city to come. Pray, Lord, that your spirit would help us to understand your word and to treasure it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. What's the point? I just uh, had a conversation last night with, with one of Jess Groomsmen who, who told me that he had been getting into bird watching. And, and the apex of bird watching is seeing the endangered bald eagle, right? The pinnacle of U.S. patriotism, right? And he had planned his shot, and he finally got to see a bald eagle in person several weeks ago, framed it, took a picture, came back home, saw the frame, saw the bird that he had longed to see, and he asked himself, what's the point? What's the point? When you delight in something good that happens in your job, what's the point? When you go through negative things in your life, tragedies, hardships, frustrations, what's the point? You see, we need to know where we're going to make sense of why the now matters. Because where we're headed puts purpose inside of our present, inside of our present. And what, what John is doing here as he's uh, seeing these prophecies from the Lord and as he's speaking about what's going to happen at the end is setting believers' eyes ahead to city that is to come. And by remembering what's ahead of us to encourage us to see God's purpose in the present. And so this sermon is going to be divided into two parts. The main idea is to remember the city that is to come, or remember the hope that is to come. It's going to be in two parts. Firstly, the curse, and secondly, the rain. First, the curse. Second, the rain. Let's look again at the end of verse 2 there. It says, The leaves of the tree are for healing the nations, and there will no longer be any curse. 
There's a thematic bookend with what you see here in Revelation 22 and the very beginning of the Bible. In Genesis 3, you also see a tree. But that tree isn't a tree of life that provides healing. Rather, it's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You see, Adam and Eve eat that fruit and fall into sin. As a result, the entire world is cursed and broken. Uh, if you read Genesis 3.17, God says that the ground is cursed because of Adam's sin. And we've all experienced that type of curse in our own lives, haven't we? I, I appreciate the time that we spend in our Sunday evenings to share burdens. I'm so grateful that some of you are willing to share some tonight. They come from a place of vulnerability and deep pain and anguish. And I think PJ was exactly right this morning in saying that we don't want to rush into hope. What we're doing when we're airing our grievances by sharing burdens with one another isn't just kind of expressing our thoughts, isn't just letting out our tears. It's reminding ourselves of the bitter taste of sin, that, that there's something wrong with the way that the world is currently going. That's not supposed to be this way. That, that going to the gravesite of my father last week is not normal. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And every time that we encounter tragedy or, or frustrations or, or persistent struggles with sin, we're reminded that the curse of sin is still here. But at the end, you see that the leaves of this tree reverse that curse. That, that the leaves of this tree are for healing the nations. And when, this, when these leaves touch humanity, that, that all the curse that we see in our lives every week will be no more. And why? Because we believe the words of Galatians 3.13, that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, cursed is everyone who hung on a tree. We, we fall into sin, we fall into death because of deciding to eat from the fruit of the tree of sin. And Christ bears that penalty on his shoulders for us by dying on a cursed tree, paying the penalty in full and rising victorious over that sin and death by rising from the dead three days later. If you're not a Christian, you're here with us tonight. That's the good news that we want you to believe. We want you to look to this Christ. And as a result of, of Christ's work for us is that we receive a different tree, a tree of healing, healing, which means that this tree isn't for people that are perfect, that have no need of healing. This tree of healing is for the wounded. If you feel battered, if you feel the curse of sin that's ripping into your flesh tonight, this tree is for you. If you feel broken and, and battered by the desolation that you see in the world, this tree is for you. God doesn't want to diminish the difficulties and hardships of our lives. He looks at it. In, in the full ugliness and provides a complete solution. And notice here that that's not just a tree for healing, but it's a tree for healing for 
all the nations. For all the nations that this offer, this healing is provided for everyone. In fact, the healing of this tree stretches to the ends of the earth. That people from all over the world, whether it's from the United States or, or the Netherlands or Somalia or Turkey or Chile, everyone can come and receive healing from this tree. Which means that the work that you do in this coming week is not in vain. That when you share the gospel with, with people this week, it doesn't matter how far gone they are or how far to the ends of the earth they may be in your own calculations. God has people in your neighborhood, in your family, in your workplace that he wants to save because this tree is for them. And it's for you and I. Secondly, let's look at the rain. Verse 3, the throne of God and the lamb will be in the city and his servants will worship him. Notice that the throne here is of God and of the lamb. Now, it's not like uh, the throne of God is a duplex where the father and the son are kind of like sitting next to each other. It's one throne. Right, is one throne. And the idea here is that Jesus is God. Earlier in the book, you see Christ as a slain lamb. And here you, you see the throne of God, not segmented or separated, but united. That Christ is seated on the throne. Secondly, notice where this throne is. Okay, where it is. The throne of God and of the lamb will be where? In the city. It will be in the city. We heard this morning about the promise from Ezekiel 38. PJ talked about how there will be a city, and the name of the city will forever be that the Lord is there. And what do you see here in Revelation 22 3? You see that the throne, the place where God dwells, the place where Christ will be, is not out of the city. Isn't above the city, isn't below the city. It's in the city that you're going to be able to, when you're in this new city, and people ask you, where's God at? You can point down the street. He's right there, and his presence will be with you, that we will actually physically see him, know him tangibly. Every promise will be fulfilled in this place. God will physically be with us. And, and this throne is not going to evoke the same emotions as Isaiah. You remember Isaiah 6, uh, God seated on his throne, the train of his robe filling the temple, angels singing, holy, 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 so much that the pillars shake and tremble. And he's so terrified that, that he falls flat on his face. And, and the words that he says is, woe is me. In other words, I'm done for. But notice what happens here in Revelation 22, 3. The throne is in the city. And rather than looking down, what John is saying is that when we're in this new city, we're going to look up. We're going to see God face to face. And rather than being filled with a terror of judgment, rather we will be overcome with an overflow of delight and reverence and 
awe as we worship God face to face. Do you realize that when we see God, there will not be an ounce of judgment there for you? That when you see God with your own two eyes, you will only be filled with the ultimate, deepest, sincerest form of happiness and joy. This is the way that Spurgeon talks about it. He says, there on the throne of the Almighty, mercy reigns according to the merit of the sacrifice. In the virtue of the atonement, all the statutes and decrees of the kingdom of heaven are issued. And here, the altar and the throne have become identical. From that throne, no fiery bolt can ever again be hurled against the believer. For it is a throne of a lamb as well as a throne of God. Oh, what comfort there is for suffering saints is conjunction of majesty and mercy on the throne of the highest. That's where we're headed. Every wound healed. Every nation present. Every curse reversed. And when we stand before the royal presence of God, there will not be a single ounce of baggage weighing us down. We'll be able to look at him face to face and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what awaits us. That's what gives us the power to believe in the midst of trial. That's what allows us to delight in temporary blessings, knowing that they're mere glimmers of the hope that is to come. Everything that we do is oriented, viewed in light of what awaits us. The good is only going to get better. The bad is going to have an expiration date. That's why we get to sing songs like the sands of time are sinking. Right, let me just close with the first verse here because I think it captures the longing that we ought to have. And I'll pray. The sands of time are sinking. The dawn of heaven breaks. The summer morn I've sighed for. The fair sweet morn awakes. Dark, dark has been the midnight. Dayspring is at hand, and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. Let's pray. Lord, we want to be where you are. So we ask God that you would come quickly. In Jesus' name, amen.